Mac Power Users, episode 652. Where does the iPad fit? Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett. I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? I am great, David. How are you? Excellent. And I am, I'm ready to talk about the iPad. I feel like we, we've, got, we've got to address some issues. <laughs> yeah, the iPad has been such an interesting topic on the show over the years, and you and I have very mixed feelings about it. So today we're going to talk about where it fits in for us, some software, some hardware accessories, just kind of the state of the iPad uh, and, and in 2022, because it's it's a complicated thing to figure out, I think. Well, I, actually, I, I think it's not really the state of the iPad so much as the case for the iPad. You know, I, yeah. I, some, somebody wrote me and said, hey, um, why do you hate the iPad now? And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't hate the iPad. I've just changed my relationship with it. And I use it a lot. But I keep saying that, but I never explain that. So I thought, let's take an episode and, and talk through the things that, that, in our opinions, the iPad is good at. And, and there's quite a few on the list, so we, we we're gonna, we're going to give some love to the iPad today. Yeah, that's right. For that, just uh, a little housekeeping uh, today on more power users. We're going to be talking about the Apple Watch, uh, and there's some rumors of like a Pro Apple Watch, maybe something for athletes, something more rugged. And I thought that would be fun to talk through. We're both daily Apple Watch wearers, and and I think we're both interested in continuing to push that forward. So that'll be fun to dive into those rumors and talk about maybe uh, what the future of the Apple Watch could look like. Yeah, I feel like they should name it the Apple Watch Hackett. But, yeah. <laughs> make it Stephen Proof. Yeah, we'll see. In fact, that's maybe that's what we should do. If they make one, you should get one and let's just see how long. How long. <laughs> it, it was funny. This past weekend, I was uh, out of town. We went with my wife's family on a like a two-day canoeing trip in central Tennessee. And the last Apple Watch I broke was on our family trip last summer where I went down the side of a waterfall, like jumped off and then smashed my watch on a rock on the way down. And I wore my watch on the river because I wanted to track the paddling workout. I didn't know that was a workout. First time I've used it. I I was afraid I was going to have to use the sailing one, but there was a paddling one, thankfully. And my wife didn't wear hers. She's like, oh, you're going to wear your Apple Watch? I was like, yeah. When, when have I ever broken an Apple Watch on a family outing in water? That's never happened. Oh, yeah, that's happened yeah. before. Yeah. So did it survive? I mean, totally you have to fine. tell us now. Totally oh, fine. Good. Good. You have to remember to bring like a um, a rubber or a, a waterproof strap when you do that. Yeah. 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 We're actually recording this in early and I'm heading to the beach for my vacation and I will be bringing my waterproof strap because I like to go swimming with my watch on. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you guys have a good time. Yeah. All right. iPad. Um, iPad. Let's just start with a, a, a feelings check. You know, how do you feel about the iPad? I mean, what, at this point you have the iPad mini, but no other iPad, right? I have a iPad pro as well that the beta is on. Okay. I have not put the beta on the mini because I didn't really see the point. So I've been using mostly the pro this summer just to be in iPad OS. Yeah. 15, 16. 
Yeah. 22, whatever version we're on now. IPad, yeah, I know. You know, it's easy to get confused, man, but it's it's iPad OS 16. 16. Yeah, the names. They got to do something yeah. about that. So I, I don't think the beta really changes where I've been on the iPad for the last year or so. And that is, for me, it's great as a secondary device for content, you know, consumption, watching, listening, reading, that sort of thing. Uh, sometimes I have it on my desk open and I'll use universal control. So like today I'm expecting a delivery, but I don't know when. So I have my iPad next to my pro display and I just have like the front camera open on it. And so I'm kind of like keeping an eye on my front porch to see, cause I got a sign for this delivery. It is not a device though that I really do work on or really even try to do work on anymore. I mean, I will occasionally dip into a Google Doc for like a Mac Power users or connected and, and drop something in or work on something. But with Apple Silicon and the Macs uh, and the notebooks, I kind of feel like the the Mac notebooks have gotten a lot of good stuff from the iPad, like battery life and that sort of thing and being quiet and thin and light. So for me, it's kind of where, you know, the iPad was for a lot of people in the beginning like it's great for watching and reading and stuff but i don't i don't really push it as a work device anymore i've kind of i don't want to say i've given up on it but i've kind of just come to accept that i'm more comfortable on mac os and the mac notebooks are so good that i'm i don't feel like i'm really trading off in any big ways anymore Okay, so what you're telling me is I'm carrying this episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's still lots of great iPad stuff we can talk about. Yeah, but right. it's not it's not a it's not a laptop replacement for me. Okay, so for me, uh, you know, I I talked about this a year or two. It was it was a year ago WWDC where I had the hallelujah you know moment of what my relationship with the iPad was cuz i i really wanted it to be a laptop replacement you know i had at the time a desktop mac and i had an ipad that i would carry with me when i went on the road and i wanted to make it do all the stuff and it wouldn't you know it was just really difficult and it was like always these little friction points like when i was a lawyer and i've talked about this so just bear with me, but I'd go into meetings sometimes and like a CPA would say, well, here's 15 spreadsheets for this acquisition. And I'm like, yeah, I have an iPad. That's going to take me a minute, you know, <laughs> you know, whereas on a Mac, it, it doesn't. So that it was always like this degree of friction and the arrival of Apple Silicon to the Mac, like you said, even the playing field between the Mac and the iPad in a lot of ways, you know, all day battery life uh, runs cool. You know, you know, the it's just so it was such a change from the Intel chip. You know, the thing doesn't get hot; it runs a long time. It's on immediately when you open it up. So suddenly, a lot of the good reasons to use an iPad were also on the Mac, and the Mac had you know all the cool Mac stuff that it has. And so I started to want to work on the Mac more as a mobile device. And and I it, and then we got the M1 iPad last year before WWDC in my head, I was thinking, Oh, this is it. You know, WWC 2021, the iPad gets wings. You know, I probably wrote something like that on the blog beforehand. And then we got there and they're like, Oh yeah, we added um, a button to make it easier to move windows. Let's move on. You know, and it just wasn't enough. You know, I felt like, Oh yeah, they gave it the same brains as the MacBook, but they don't give it the same power. And then it occurred to me, that was the moment, the Apple does not see the iPad as a laptop replacement. And what got in my head was all of those commercials where they said it was a laptop replacement, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, what's a computer? Remember that ad? 
that ad created a lot of angst <laughs> for people. And that's not really fair, too, because there are people listening to this right now that use an iPad as a computer and oh, 100%. are perfectly happy with it. But for a lot of us, it's not. You know, um, there's challenges with recording. Um, there's challenges with, like, heavy document file management. There, there's just areas where it's not very good. But I, I just kind of started to realize they don't see the iPad as the thing I was trying to make it into. And I was having dinner with my kids at the time and we were talking about stuff and, you know, cause I'm a nerd and they both have uh, iPad airs. They were both, one was in grad school. There was an undergrad at the time. I'm like, how are you guys dealing with your iPads at college? And they're like, I love it. Both of them immediately. Mm. They've got the Apple pencil. They've got, you know, good notes. So they've got, you know, they are like living the, the Apple life with that iPad, you know, and, and if, you know, just like in the commercials, right, you know, they're doing the stuff that you would think that they would do with iPads and they are totally digging it. And I'm thinking, oh, you know what? The reason they like their iPad is because they're doing what Apple wants you to do with an iPad. <laughs> so, I, so I started doing what Apple wants me to do with an iPad and, and using a Mac a lot more. And, and now I'm in a good relationship with it. Now, in terms of hardware, I have the 2018 macbook pro i'm sorry ipad pro the big one mm -hmm. the very first one with the square edges yeah runs great runs great when the m1s came out i bought one of the 11 inch um ipad pros so i have two ipad pros i know i know i know you don't have to write me i get it <laughs> and then at some point i i stumbled into a ipad mini i it was i think a uh you know a uh apple reality distortion field induced you know purchase but so and i keep that in the bedside table but primarily i use um and i use all three of them because i'm just trying stuff out and talking about it and writing about it but uh you you mentioned earlier that you had your ipad out as like a um notification center while we're recording um i have found because i was going to sell the big 2018 ipad but i tested it out as a um, status board device and I've mentioned this on the show a little bit. People in the Max Market Labs are well familiar with this concept. But um, I am—I want to do a show on this on Mac Power Users at some point. So we're going to put a pin in that. But if you've got an old iPad and you want to stick it next to a Mac, there's a lot of good reasons to do that now. So I don't really even think of that as an iPad so much as an extension on my Mac. Um, so so I've got really the iPads I use are the the 11-inch and the, uh, the mini and the mm -hmm. bedside table. And I've got, you know, the, uh, I, the Mac, the iPad OS 16 beta on this, uh, this 11 inch. So it's cool. All right. Well, now that we've kind of stayed, and so my feelings on it are not negative anymore. You know, I, I, I was getting down on it cause it wasn't doing the stuff I wanted to, but I actually like it. I'm kind of getting to more to where my kids are like, oh yeah, I dig the iPad. It's cool. But I also know its limits, you know, it's like, there are certain things in your life that if you try to make them do things they weren't made for, they're not going to make you happy. Like if you want to pull a boat with a Prius, you know, <laughs> not going to work good, you know, probably and, not, you know, and uh, that, that kind of feels like the iPad to me. So I got thinking, what is it that this thing can do for me that I can really use it for? And, you know, I've kind of over the last year kind of developed a, quite a few different workflows where I use the iPad. I mean, as an example, this morning I had to go get my daughter's car smog checked. Uh, that's a thing in California. Yeah. You get your, not get here, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, the funny thing is my daughter's car is a Prius. So I'm thinking this car runs on batteries. The, the engine in it could barely drive a lawnmower. Um, 
you know, why, why do I need to get this car smog checked? You know, yeah. but you know, you go, you pay your $61 and mm-hmm. get your ticket. So, so anyway, I was there, but there was a long line and I, I had my iPad with me and I got a ton of work done this morning and that's the kind of stuff it is for me. And, uh, anyway, that's my relationship with the iPad. So I guess the short version is it's complicated. Yeah. And, and you, you know, you touched on this, how Apple has talked about the iPad over the years, you know, initially, like when it was first announced 12 years ago, it was a, this is a thing in between your phone and your laptop. And it's got to be better at these, you know, key things. And Steve Jobs listed off, you know, like email and internet browsing and photos and reading and, and basically immediately people wanted to push it you know, more into laptop territory in terms of what it could do software wise. And Apple responded to that with things like the iPad pro and the keyboard and the trackpad and the pencil and all these things. And the hardware, you know, how many, for how many years have we said, you know, the, the hardware is so good. You know, the iPad hardware is ridiculously good and it's the software that holds it back. And people, I think generally fall on one of two sides of that, either, yeah, that means I can't use it as my quote unquote computer, or I want to embrace the limitations that it comes with and figure out new ways, new ways to work. Right. And Apple seems relatively content with that divide. I mean, even things with stage manager and yes, they're bringing stage manager to the Mac, but they're not just bringing Mac OS to the iPad either. And there's always been inherent tension in the iPad, and I feel like that's definitely still the case today. I think that's why people have different feelings about it. It kind of depends on, you know, where on that continuum you fall. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But, you know, I, I have affection for the iPad. I've been getting email. I mean, one of the reasons we made this show is because people have been writing saying that I hate on it too much. I, mm-hmm. It's not that I hate on it. I'm just not going to try and turn it into something. And, you know, the idea of Mac power users, it's an aspirational title. I want people to become power users, and I always wanted to be able to teach people to become iPad power users. And I feel like right now that's like drilling an empty well. You know, um, I think my the relationship I would recommend with the iPad is get good at what it's good at. And, and leave it at that and, you know, use other technologies. You know, if you have to set up a private server somewhere to post something with an iPad where you could just do it on a Mac, then maybe you should just do it on a Mac, you know? Anyway, that being said, you want to get started? Sounds good. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by 1Password. Go to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps to get 20% off. Steven and I are both big fans of 1Password. We both use it in our daily lives for so many reasons. And one of those reasons is that 1Password is always thinking of user problems and solving them for us. Modern life can be messy, and it means we're likely to make a mistake at some point. You might use 1Password to update a weak password, only to realize you still need the old one for a different website, or you accidentally opened the wrong item in 1Password and replaced a set of important security questions and answers. That happens. You know, we make mistakes. And then the question is, what do you do? Well, you don't have to panic with 1Password because you haven't lost access to any of your favorite accounts and you won't have to go through the tedious process of resetting the password. 1Password remembers the history of every item saved in your vault. So if you need to see the older versions of any item, you can easily review older versions of it. 
Yeah, I'm not aware of any other password manager that does this. I think it's a great feature. So if you need to get passwords, credit cards, or addresses, even if you've archived or deleted an item, you can still select restore and bring it back to one of your vaults. So you never lose it with one password. And that's the thing I love. Not only is it safe and secure and gives you those unique passwords, but it also has that memory. It's also looking out for you. So you never lose access to your accounts. Anyway, check it out. If you've got one password, just go look at the history of one of your items to see how it works. If you're not using one password, you should check it out. Go to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps. You get 20% off and you can start using that feature today. Thanks, One Password, for all of your support of the Mac Power users. Okay, the first one that is a clear winner for the iPad for me, in fact, it's what I was doing at the Smog Place this morning, is text capture. Um, you know, just getting text into a computer. So many of us with a variety of jobs and life pursuits need to write, and this thing is so good for that. I mean, it's only got better over the years. We got the keyboard, we've got the mouse support. I mean, it is a great text capture device. And I have a little history lesson here. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. The um when I was in law school, I had my beloved Radio Shack WP2. Um, it was a um a device. I feel like Steven, you would really dig this thing. In fact, I found it in the gr- in the uh, shed. We're we're cleaning out because of the construction. Yeah, I found my WP2 circa 1990. You know, yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe I should just send it to you. I don't, <laughs> do you have Do you have any non Apple stuff in your collection? I do. I do a little bit, and this thing reminds me very much of the. What is? The, I did a video on a device like this. It's like a current modern free, free write. Uh, it's in the notes. It's next in the notes. Yeah, I don't know if it was a free write. I was trying. To, Anyways, yeah, so basically this is a, a word processor in the simplest term where it's a keyboard and a little screen and you just get text into it. Yeah, it's an eight-line liquid crystal display screen. So the grid for each character was something like, I think it was like eight bits by 16 bits. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it is, it is, you know, you want to talk about retina? <laughs> you know, this is the exact yeah. opposite of that. But I got all through law school, I didn't have any money going through law school. And like, I went to a school where there are a lot of rich kids. So there are like people there with their IBM ThinkBooks. I think there were even a couple Apple laptops there, which I, you know, that was a pipe dream for me at that point in my life. But this thing was awesome. And uh, it ran on a couple AA batteries. And all it did was make plain text files. So, you know, my plain text love started early. And so I would sit in class and type on this thing and outline the lectures. And then I'd get back and then I'd upload it to a Mac. And then I was good, you know. So everything was, um, this was my laptop all through law school. And then when my kids were born, at some point they found it and I let them play with it as a toy. And for years, that was like part of their, like, you know, their rig, their Mm -hmm. toy rig. And that's why now I'm sad to say the screen is all scratched up and it's kind of beat up. I did not treat it the way my kids did. (laughs) Somebody, somebody recently referred to his children as domestic terrorists. And I'm like, you know what? Sometimes that's true. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, the the version I have is the Alpha Smart Neo, but it's a very very similar in concept. Yeah, and it was a great little device. And like I said, the batteries died. You just pulled a couple double A's out of your bag and when when again, but I mean the batteries lasted like a month, so it was amazing. Um, but anyway, so that was my computer. And then the other thing is now there's a new device out called the FreeWrite, and we'll put a link to this in the show notes. 
And um, a lot of people are super into this. It, they've got one called the Hemingway. I mean, what a great name for a writing device, right? And then, oh, yeah. And then they've got one that folds up. But basically, it's like the modern version of the WP2. It's got a little screen, runs on batteries. It doesn't do anything. You know, it, all it does is let you write text. But the the selling point is that all it does is let you write text, you know. And people who get distracted want to have a device they can take with them that only does this unitasking thing, but mm-hmm. they really want to get writing. That's the thing for them. Uh, my friend Mike Vardy has one. I was with him recently and got to play with his. And it was nice, but it really gave me vibes of my old WP2. But I don't have a problem with distractions. I mean, I'm not bragging, but it's just like when I work, I I can work. You know, I don't I don't need to. The fact that my iPad can also play games and do email and go on eBay or whatever, when it's in writing mode for me, I'm I don't I'm not thinking about that. So I don't need to buy one of these things, and they're quite expensive. I mean, I mean, you can get up, you can pay up to a thousand dollars for one of these things, and you know, that's a lot of money. So anyway, uh, getting back to the thread here, the iPad can do that. And so uh, my main app for that is Drafts. It's just so powerful. Um, Greg Pierce has, you know, done a hero's, you know, work of making this app uh, in the way that it has all the tools. It's got plugins. You can make it look how you want. You can uh, send the text out to some other place if you want. I mean, it does everything. I'm a huge, and I mean, we our first app, um, special that we did this year was on drafts and we had Greg on. So that kind of tells you how much we love the app. Um, I also have an app that I've been trying called IA writer. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. Do you use that app? So I used it for a while and then I ended up using one writer on the iPad because it had like some JavaScript extension stuff. So you could hook into shortcuts and other things really easily. Uh, but I've made my way back to IA Writer both on the Mac and the iPad and iPhone for writing articles and blog posts because it syncs really nicely and looks beautiful and it's very nicely polished. Yeah, it looks great. Um, it's expensive, but I, you know, I kind of like I like the writing tools in it, so I write in that as well. And then when I want to get into my existing writing, and I've got a, a separate point about research later, but I mean, I can also write in the iPad into Obsidian or Craft or some of the apps that are important to me where I couldn't do that previously. And like if I bought one of these Hemingway things, I wouldn't be able to do that. You know, mm-hmm. I'd only be able to make a new text file. So I like that I can plug into existing, you know, writing or just have a clean sheet and work with it. And you know, it's really good for writing. You know, I don't know how else to put it. I mean, Apple Notes is another one that you could use for this. Apple Notes is fine. I mean, you just want to capture some text that's in there. You don't have to pay for it. It's already on the device. Yep. It continues to get new features. It looks good. And there, there's a lot of good reasons. Like it has collaboration built in. I mean, I, I have several Apple Notes I share with Daisy. Um, but it is, uh, you know, the iPad is a great device to capture text on. Thinking back to sort of the that original take on the iPad, I mean the the first iPad came with a as an accessory, an optional accessory. They had Apple had this keyboard dock, and you put the iPad in it in portrait, not landscape, and it was like a thirty pin dock, kind of a weird accessory. But I think from the very beginning, Apple saw the value of the iPad as a writing machine, and you know for years we didn't have like an official keyboard case, but tons of us were using, you know, external keyboards with the iPad. I mean, I I reviewed a bunch of them over the years as, as have you. And 
and now Apple sells two keyboard accessories for the iPad. I think at the heart of it, like text capture is definitely something and in, in sort of the original seed of the idea of the iPad. Totally agreed. I want to talk a little bit about the methods of text capture because there are so many options now. I mean, historically, you had to plug it into something. And did you ever see, by the way, one of those uh, portrait mode keyboards in person? Uh, never. I saw one in an Apple store when it first came out. I went and looked at it. I'm like, that is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because it had this, <laughs> it had this big like wart on top of it. You know, I mean, it wasn't like something you could easily throw in a bag. I think it was meant to be like on your desk at home, and then you would just like dock it in. Mm-hmm. But I, it's like, how did that? How did they make that? initially and how did it take them 10 years to make what they have now i mean i i'll never understand that (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's a mobile device guys it's a mobile device anyway yeah uh but the keyboard obviously is it um you know the apple you know was it magic keyboard the one that where the the ipad floats over the top of the keyboard yeah so the magic keyboard is the one with the trackpad and the smart keyboard folio is the one that folds over but has no trackpad yeah, I was making fun of the free write products that they're five hundred dollars. This keyboard is almost as much as a free write. I mean, yeah. that's crazy. And and the WP two, and granted, it was nineteen ninety dollars, but I paid uh, I think a hundred and like eighty dollars for it at Radio Shack. So it is bananas how much this thing costs. But it's a good keyboard, you know, and it's the best one I've ever used with an iPad. And I like the way it folds flat. I mean, I spent the money on it. I have one. Um, I just have one for my uh, for my 11 inch. I had one for the 13 inch, and I sold it because I just wasn't using it. And mm-hmm. uh, but the this one, I actually I was using it this morning. It's just a it's a great little keyboard, but you know it is a buy once, cry once purchase. But keyboards aren't the only way you can do it. Uh, voice is also another great way to capture text with iPad. Uh, one of my favorite things to do, and I'm going to enjoy this even more when I have my studio space, is just to sit down with the iPad, open drafts, and just start dictating stuff that I want to publish or emails I want to send and just getting that cruddy first draft in with my voice. And I can like blast through so much so quickly there. And and granted, I may need to go back and do a bit of editing, but even that's getting better as the technology improves. But voice capture on the iPad just feels more natural to me than it does on a Mac. And dictation in iOS and iPadOS 16 has a a great trick where you can be using the keyboard and dictation. It used to be that it locks you out of the keyboard. Yeah. And I feel like it's faster and more accurate in 16 than it's ever been. Yeah. And the timer's gone. I mean, we're going to talk about this when we get around to they release it. But historically, there's been like a a 60-second timer, which really messes you up when you're using uh, Siri voice to text because you might be in the middle of the sentence and it just stops. And then mm-hmm. if you hit the button again, it starts like it's a new sentence and you've got to fix all that. Now it just goes. And, um, and that's all I believe on chip. I haven't done the research for that episode yet. Cause we haven't got there yet, but I believe all that's being done on the chip. So you're not even going to the web anymore. Uh, either way. Uh, so voice, that is my second uh, choice for entering text on an iPad that I think is very effective. I mean, one of my favorite workflows when I did contract reviews as a lawyer would be to have an iPad and, you know, get a PDF app and redline it with an Apple Pencil and then have drafts on the right and just talk into it with all my comments. And I used to do that 
when I first started being a lawyer with a dictaphone, you know, and I'd have to, somebody would have to transcribe it, but not anymore. And then the third one is uh, on-screen keyboard. And this is where the utility drops off for me. Yeah. My kids can type on that keyboard. I cannot, for whatever reason, I just cannot get it going. I feel like the the 11 inch sort of size class is actually the worst for this because the mini, at least for me, I can thumb type on it in yeah. portrait mode. And then the, the 12.9 iPad Pro, the keyboard is pretty close to full size. And I can, I haven't had one of those in a long time, but from what I remember, I could type okay on that. But sort of the 10 and a half, 11 inch size, that sort of size range they've been in for a while. It just doesn't really jive with me either. You know what occurs to me as we're sitting here is on iOS 16, we got haptic feedback for the keyboard. And I haven't checked to see if they put that in iPad. Well, there's no, there's no taptic engine or vibrant motor in the uh, iPad. Oh man, it would be so much better if they added that. I know. I know. It would be cool. So uh, the on-screen keyboard is not ideal for me, although some people are very good at it. And, you know, so, you know, choose your poison there. And then by far the least used method for me is scribble. Do you know, yeah. remember that feature? I do. <laughs> In fact, on an old episode of Connected, we interviewed some of the team behind scribble. And it's very impressive, like the way that it works. So you're using the pencil and it's turning your handwriting and it, it like OCRs and it figures out the text. And it is... It is really cool, but it is I'm, – I'm not a big Apple Pencil user to begin with, and if I am, it's mostly for, like, sketching and stuff, not really writing. This one never landed with me. One of the things I didn't even put in our list here is uh, the iPad is my preferred platform for uh, task planning, like OmniFocus stuff. Yes. Like, And so I sit in a comfy chair, I get my pencil, and – and it's not even in the outline today, but that's one of the things I do with the iPad all the time, Same. especially Same. in the morning and the afternoon. And that is the one place I find myself using Scribble. Like if I think of a new task, I may just write it in and it works fine. But I just can't really get into the idea of like writing an essay with Scribble. Mm-hmm. You know, like one line of text is about as far as I'm willing to go. And part of the problem is my handwriting is not that good. And like there's no like, even if like you put put a grid up, it's just really hard to make it look good while you write it. And then I become more obsessed with, well, is Scribble getting it right than actually thinking about what I'm writing? It just, I don't know. It's just not quite there yet for me. Okay. Well, either way, um, writing pad, iPad, yes. If you do writing for your living or if you do a lot of text input, um, and you want a, a, a quick and easy way, I think you're much better spending your money on something like an iPad than, you know, than one of these unitasking devices. Well, I think the thing about the text capture for, for me at least is what comes after that. And so th- this friend of mine, we've been friends a really long time and I probably have told this story before, but for years we collectively chased the idea of like a minimal writing machine as if for a long time, like the ideal minimal writing machine was like the 12 inch power book. You know, this was back in the Intel era. Power book was old, but you could still get text on and off of it really easily. And the idea was, well, you don't have a bunch of other distractions because browsing is bad on PowerPC and you don't have, you know, this and that application anymore. 
But over the years, I've realized that idea has kind of just gotten consumed by the iPad because what my mythical, like, minimal typing machine always lacked was part two of like, what do I do with this text once it's been captured? And even things like the alpha smart Neo that I did that video on years ago, you could upload it to Google docs really easily, or you could, you know, basically have it type into, into your, your Mac or PC. And with the iPad, well, you have a full iOS computer there. So your capture can very quickly move into a note or a task or a journal entry or an email or whatever it is. And especially with something like drafts or some of these PKM apps, you know, you kind of start in the same place every time and then take your text outward. And that's, I think, I think that's just an important angle to this as is these are all the different ways you can get text into the iPad. Is that fair? No, it is. I, first, and I'd never heard of your quest for a minimal writing device. I wish I had known about that. That's the kind of thing <laughs> a long I can time ago. <laughs> sink my teeth into. You know? <laughs> but the uh, like, I at one point I had a um, a Mac Plus here when the kids were little that they would write on, and I had a floppy attached to it. It was a huge pain, you know. But I didn't want to put an internet computer in their rooms. We had a computer connected to the internet downstairs where we could keep an eye on things. And they're like, "Well, I want to write in my room." I'm like, "Okay, I got you." You know, yeah, <laughs> here's a beige box, the mm-hmm. floppy disk. But I was just looking, you can get an entry level iPad for 329. You can get a Bluetooth keyboard on Amazon for 20 bucks. So for $350, you're, you've got your minimal writing device that fits in any bag. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want a real minimal device, get an iPad mini, but that's going to cost a little more. But the, um, yeah, just to, to capture text, you, you know, the Mac can't beat that. You know, you just can't beat that on a Mac. You're going to spend a lot more money and you're going to have a lot more more weight to carry around. Yeah. And if you, if you have an iPad again, you've got the full iOS experience and you can tether or use cellular. Like it, it is, if your goal here is to capture ideas digitally kind of wherever you go, I don't think anything beats the iPad. I think even the phone falls short of the iPad here because you have all these different inputs well as on the phone it's software keyboard and dictation i mean yes you can use a bluetooth keyboard but not many people are doing that but even that that cheap ipad has apple pencil support so if if scribble like really works with the way that you work you can get in pretty cheap yeah so the workflow for me always starts with drafts i mean the place for text you just open it up and you start typing dictating whatever and you build it there IA Writer is new to my workflow, but what I've been trying to do is um, attempting to sometimes move the text out of drafts into IA. They've got some grammar tools in IA that I like. I don't know, have you have you thrown the switches in IA Writer to get all those grammar tools where they show you unnecessary words and things? Uh, I find it useful. And then I also use Grammarly, which on the iPad is actually really handy. It's a keyboard. Yeah. So it can run inside any application. That's actually, I think, a better implementation on the iPad than it is on the Mac. Yeah. On the Mac, Grammarly, they have an app or website you can just paste your text into, or they can hook into standard text boxes. Um, Yeah. I use it on the web. I don't use it in macOS apps. Uh, If I'm writing a long blog post, I will use the IA Writer stuff, or I'll basically copy the whole blog post into Grammarly and then, and then go through it. 
That's what I do too. Yeah. On the Mac. Cause, and, and they have a Mac app and it is like dog slow. It's it is, not good. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think that is, that's like electron gone horribly wrong. Yeah. You know, I don't know what's going on there, but the, uh, so I just, you know, go to the, I have the website. In fact, I actually have a keyboard maestro script. I, I know this episode is about iPad, but you know, keyboard maestro shows up. Right. Um, so I made a cool keyboard maestro script. It, it what it does is it's command C. Co- so it's copies. I'm sorry. It's command a, selects all the text and no matter what text editor you're in, if you hit command A, it selects all the text and hits command C and then it pauses and goes to Safari to the Grammarly page. And then it pauses again and it looks for the new document icon on the Grammarly website. You know, like they've got, there's not a way to keyboard shortcut your way into starting a new document in in Grammarly Safari, right? But there's a button on the screen that says, I have a new document. And so it looks for that image because Keyboard Maestro is amazing and can do that. And then it pauses and pushes that button. Then it pauses like two or three seconds and then it hits Command V. I mean, it's that is like UI scripting at its ugliest, right? <laughs> All I'm doing is is repeating things I would do with the addition of having it look for that button. But anytime I'm in drafts or any uh, Mac app that I'm writing in, I just uh, trigger that macro and then then just sit there for five seconds and then it's in Grammarly ready for me to edit it. I'm such a nerd. Hey, I guess the job done, man. But that's that's the kind of thing, right? You know, you automate it once and then you never think about it again. Yeah, yeah that's that's the point of it. Something you're doing repeatedly. Like, you know, why, have I, why am I doing this three times a week when I could have something do it for me? But I'll, I lost the thread. Grammarly on the iPad <laughs> is a keyboard. So you can go to the Grammarly keyboard and then it'll go through into your edits right in the document. I, I just find, I feel like it feels more native on the iPad. And I don't like take all of Grammarly's advice. Like it really likes commas, you know, but I do find it, you know, as, as one step along the process of writing, you know, and then once I've done all that, then the text will go into Obsidian or Craft or get shared with team members or whatever. And mm-hmm. But the, the actual writing workflow, what I really need is an iPad with a charge, a keyboard, and drafts. This episode of MPU is made possible by Electric. When leading a small business, it's not all glamorous. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop that got lost in the mail or dealing with some other technical emergency, which you're well equipped to deal with, but maybe you just don't have the time anymore. The team over at Electric knows small businesses like yours face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions, you can focus on building your empire, With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. Delegating is such a big deal when it comes to running a small business. And just because you're good at something doesn't mean that you should be the one continuing to do it. And that's where Electric comes in. For MPU listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash MPU. It's electric.ai slash MPU. Go there now for your free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of Mac Power users. An additional item 
related to writing, I think, is research. And, you know, the idea of a piece of glass that connects you to the world is is pretty good for research. I mean, go back to, uh, what was it, um, Kubrick's movie, uh, 2001? Mm-hmm. That's what the computers were, a piece of glass, you know? Gave him the newspaper. Uh, same thing for us today. And I do a lot of research on the iPad. Yeah, I do too. And it can be as simple as I'm searching out on the web and saving links into DevonThink or Good Links or, or an Apple Note, even uh, all the way through up pulling up, you know, PDFs. And I don't do a lot of markup on PDFs, even on the Mac. It's just kind of not the way that I work. But you have a lot of great tools that if that's what you want to do, especially with the pencil, you know, pull up a document, highlight sections, circle sections, take notes in the margins. That's a uh, killer when it comes yeah. to, to putting information together. I mean, I, I think back even to like when I was in college, it really wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things, you know, definitely pre iPad, pre iPhone and, you know, going to the library and like finding old articles and printing them out and doing this like with an actual highlighter and pen, and, like pulling the information I needed out of it. And now again, you can have it on your, you know, $329 iPad that's, that's with you all the time. It's, it's really uh, fantastic. And, you know, one thing when, when we talk to listeners and see things in the forums and everything is how many people are using an iPad either for research in terms of like reading and writing, or even in research in terms of capture, you know, using iPads in, in labs and in, you know, different settings where they're capturing info. Like it's, it's all that whole world I feel has really been improved by the iPad. My personal kind of research workflows are uh, a a lot of web stuff. You know, I mean, that's a great place to start searching and I choose to use Safari, you know, it's, it's great. It, it sips energy. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of what Apple wants and it's not worth fighting, uh, especially on the iPad. So I use Safari a lot, but then, then that stuff all gets sent places like, you know, to Devon think and, uh, PDF apps. I thought when I stopped practicing law that my, my usage of PDF applications would go down, hmm. but, but honestly it hasn't. I mean, like I was reading technical documentation on shortcuts yesterday and, I was in a PDF app and I had my pencil and I was highlighting. It's like, I think those habits are so ingrained in me that even though I'm not doing legal contracts, I still use the same techniques, you know, for getting good content to, you know, the listeners and readers. So that really hasn't changed. Uh, So uh, I capture PDFs for me is a great source of research. And to me, uh, the iPad was a game changer for PDF research. I mean, just, there's no question. I, I lived through the days where we printed stuff out and you sat on a desk with a red pen and a yellow highlighter, <laughs> yeah. a green highlighter and all that stuff. And then after you gave it to somebody to review and do their notes on, they'd lose it and you'd never have a history of what happened. Sometimes, a, you know, page seven would get lost you know, so you'd have to reprint out page seven and go back and try and remember what you highlighted on that page or redlined. And all this stuff was just bananas. And the iPad immediately fixed that. You know, you got a digital file. You got a digital record. Um, you can show or hide the highlights. You've got one input device that can be a highlighter and a red pin and a green pin. It's just, I just can't emphasize for someone, 
any, uh, we have a lot of listeners that have gone through this with us. So they, they, they know, they get it. it. The iPad is awesome for that. And honestly, you know, there was a time before iPad that I was trying to do this stuff on a Mac and it was okay. You know, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't handwrite on it. You know, it, you know, the, the Mac is okay for PDF review, whereas the iPad is stellar. And it remains to be a far superior device. And I, I'm doing it all the time. Really, I think the only place the iPad uh, really falls short of the Mac in terms of these tools is just sheer screen real estate, where you can have yeah. a bunch of PDFs open at once. But now with r- really good external display support coming in iPad OS 16, like even that's changing kind of right in front of us. Yeah. And, and I, I think that like I do use PDFs on a Mac when I'm comparing to like if I'm looking at two side by side, but for critical reading, which is kind of the thing, right, where you read it. And the reason you've got the highlighters because you're you're picking it apart, questioning things, trying to figure out where this fits. I just think the iPad's great. And if you want to get a big iPad to make it bigger, you can mm-hmm. um, and you can zoom in like, you know. Um, th- this is one thing I haven't needed since I stopped practicing law is the zoom is often because like most technical documentation I read these days is printed like a human can read it. Uh, <laughs> lawyers put this contracts together with tiny text. I mean, it is an open move to try and get you to not read it. I mean, the, the reason they do it. In fact, it got so bad in California that we've passed some laws to say for consumer contracts what the minimum font size can be because people were making it so small. Wow. But anyway. I, I'm off on a tangent, um, but, but the, uh, yeah, so it's really great. And the, the iPad is the device for that, uh, for me, the, the tools I use. So Safari, I've already mentioned, but Safari has a very easy way. If you pull down from the top left corner to save out to a PDF, you know, and it's great, you know, and I use that all the time. Most of the stuff I do these days is also available to download as a PDF and Safari's got way better on the iPad to download a PDF and just get it into your system very easily. Uh, this is a place where iCloud, I think, um, does well. You know, you can save it to iCloud. I put it in the action folder, go from there. And then uh, I also share them to DevonThink if it's something I want to keep as part of an ongoing research project. And DevonThink has an iPad app. And I think the DevonThink app is better on the Mac than on the iPad. I wouldn't say the iPad is a superior experience for DevonThink, but it is good enough. I can capture, I can tag it, I can do all the kind of input stuff right there. Mm-hmm. The mobile app for DevonThink gives you a lot of control over, like like for me, I mean, my collection of databases is so big, I couldn't have it all on an iPad. I mean, the, that folder is 100, well, I guess I could, but it's 146 gigabytes. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah. I, you know, DevonThink lets me see all of it and it can search all of it and then download on demand. It gives you a lot of control over exactly what's going to happen. And as someone who has a lot of stuff in DevonThink, that's critical for me. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're, they are pushing hard on mobile. So it just gets, keeps getting better. But, you know, this isn't the DevonThink show, but yeah, it's good. And I use it. Uh, for general PDF annotation, for the last couple of years, I've been using one called PDF Viewer, which I find really snappy, and it has the tools I want, and um, I've been good with it. There's a whole bunch of good ones out there. PDF Pen was a sponsor for years. PDF Expert is popular, but I mean, there's an abundance of riches. You know, pick one that connects with you and use that one if you're going to do some PDF stuff. 
The other one that I'm using even more now is liquid text, because one thing that's changed with my big life move is I don't have to collaborate on these PDFs as much as I used to. And liquid text to me is just the, I don't know, what's the word for it? It's the, it is the game changer with a PDF annotation. I mean, it's just like in PDF expert, I'm sorry, in liquid text, you can pinch documents together and like, so you can put paragraphs together that are pages apart. You can pull pieces out. I think I've told everybody that listens to the show to try liquid text now like 10 times. So <laughs> I don't need to do it again, but yeah. And, and liquid text does have a Mac version, but it's not the same experience. Yeah. It's one that really benefits from touch and pencil. I mean, it's, yeah, you can do it all with a cursor, but I agree with you. Liquid text is on the iPad is pretty sweet. I mean, PDF viewer is kind of the one I've been using for PDFs, but honestly, liquid text is my main go-to at this point. It's just so good. And it delights me because the app does such interesting things. I mean, all the PDF apps up until liquid text, in my opinion, were creating digital representations of what we did before there were iPads and computers. You know, it's a pencil or a highlighter. It's, it's the same tool set but the pages were static. And now with um, liquid text, the, the document becomes dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it just, you know, it's a mind shift on this stuff. And I feel like 10 or 20 years from now, that's going to be the way everybody does this stuff. So anyway, continuing on the topic of research, uh, once I get done doing reviews on iPad, I also, because the iPad can connect to my more PKME type apps, then I can put them into Obsidian or I can put notes into Obsidian. Uh, we talked about craft last week. I'm doing some stuff there too. And I like that last step, you know, um, uh, I like the fact, like I tried for a while, the remarkable, in fact, I'm going to talk about that, put a pin in that like, cause we're going to talk about note taking, but, but, you know, not having something connected to my, to my general data bank, that is a friction point that I don't want. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, there's always uh, there's always lines to be drawn around these things, right? Like, what's research? What's a note? What's a note? What's a task? Right? We can all go round and round in circles. Yeah. Here, but I think people got to find what kind of works for them. Yeah. Um, there's a couple other like iPad friendly apps that are good for research. RSS to me is better on iPad than on Mac. You know, just being able to sit there and scroll through your RSS list, I find that really helpful. And then Readwise, which I'll talk about anytime I'm allowed. It's just so <laughs> awesome, right? So every book I read in the Amazon Kindle that I highlight, it collects them and then gives them back to me. And that's something I reference on on iPad quite often. And then uh, a listener wrote in about uh, Good Links. And um, Good Links is a, a bookmarking app um, that allows you to easily capture links to go back to them. It replaced Instapaper for me. Yeah. It, it all syncs with iCloud. You can read it offline. In fact, I imported my uh, Instapaper like back catalog into it. So yeah. I have almost 11,000 things <laughs> in good links. iCloud took a minute to sync all that, but it is, uh, it's really clean and fast, and I've, I've been really happy with it. I think we need to go back to this topic, Stephen, because there are so many more players and like, I don't, I need to survey what's out there at this point. 
because I'm still using Instapaper on momentum more than anything mm-hmm. else. And it, and it does the job, you know, but if you, if you're listening and you have passionate feelings about this topic, let us know, because I feel like there's a lot more options now than there have been in the past. It's like, this is researched and, um, I'm not sure why, but that's a thing. But either way, this is a this is a workflow that I think lends itself to iPad. So we've talked about research, and I think the maybe the other side of the coin of that is is the note taking digital notebook kind of of conversation. And I think this can be anything from notes you take for future use to notes you take out of research to like write something and then they get discarded. And that was one question I had for you. It's a little off topic, but it, this made me think of it. What is your sort of philosophy on long-term note storage? I tend to get rid of things once I feel like they're not needed anymore, unless they're like historic research, in which the case they get saved in dev and thing. But for instance, I last year had installed a new dishwasher. So I had an Apple Note, all the dishwashers we were looking at. The one we ordered, it's, you know... Uh, installation guy because I installed it myself, which, oh, that was not fun. Uh, But then that (laughs) all finished, right? So I saved the owner's manual in my manuals notebook and got rid of the rest of it. What's, how do you approach that sort of thing? Yeah, I would have done the same thing. I mean, I I don't see the point in keeping all that. I mean, I feel like you do overwhelm yourself. I mean, I wrote a book called Paperless. I feel like the people um, overwhelm themselves sometimes with digital records that they don't need just because mm-hmm. they can. I mean, they don't take up much space. Storage is cheap. I get it. But then it's like, how do you find stuff? And and there are tools for it. And I get it. If you're a digital hoarder, it's really not that difficult to still, you know, get to the, the needle in the haystack. But I just don't like to open my notes database and see something from a shopping project I was researching five years ago. I don't, I just don't want it there. Yeah. Um, but that being said, if there's any need for it in the future, I will keep it. And, you know, I've got, you know, PDF archives of all sorts of weird stuff, but, and I can go get the manual for my dishwasher or whatever in the future digitally. So I guess I'm somewhere in the middle there. If if there's any case to keep it, I'll keep it. But if there isn't, I'm not, uh, you know, afraid to dump it. But the, the, the point I wanted to talk about here is just that, you know, one thing the iPad can definitely do that the Mac can't do is accept pencil input. You know, Apple famously does not seem to want to do that on the Mac. And there's something to that. I, I use it quite a bit. I mean, like you were saying, you use the pencil rarely. Mm-hmm. Like um, what, what, were you, what were your use cases for the pencil? Uh, so if I'm doing something where I'm sort of like sketching out something I want to work on around the house or like when, like friends, when I was doing the studio, you know, yeah. uh, sketching out where things were going to go. Occasionally, I will mind map with it, although I'm not a big mind mapper either. And then I think sort of the last one is if I am on the occasion where I'm going through a bunch of PDFs and I'm highlighting stuff, which is not super common, it'll be for that. But it's limited. Like I don't keep the pencil on my iPad even. Like it stays in a cup holder on my desk, and I kind of get it out when I need it to. Yeah, so I definitely use the pencil more. Um, like one of the areas is journaling. Like I am a big fan of day one. I continue that continues to be the the place that I journal, and I'm always trying different things, like putting it in Obsidian or putting it in some other app. But 
even then I always export it to day one because that's kind of where my journals are. And uh, But occasionally I find writing a journal gets different ideas out of me. And it, this is an interesting thing about journaling. Um, the input does uh, impact what you do with it. So like I find when I dictate into day one, that gets one kind of entry. And sometimes when I type it, I get a different. And sometimes when I handwrite it, I get it because handwriting for me is the slowest and kind of forces me to slow down. And not that I want to do that every time, but I do it occasionally. And I have a journal and good notes that is basically stuff that gets exported directly into day one, you know, which is another iPad advantage. So once I'm done writing it, I can just push a button and it's added to my day one journal. Um, sometimes when I'm on the phone with somebody, I'll just open up that iPad at my desk, you know, my status board and just start writing notes down in good notes and good notes is the uh, weapon of choice for me. I know a lot of people also like notability, yeah. but G- good notes just works for me. Uh, the other thing I use good notes for is I transcribe solos. You know, I'm like trying to learn a Dexter Gordon solo or something. I have staff paper and I'll just write it in day one with a Apple pencil and, and I'll have a digital version of it rather than try to use music paper and losing it, you know? So I have a bunch of solos transcribed in there. Um, so just like stuff like that, I, I find I use the pencil quite often for those types of efforts. Where I don't use it is in Apple Notes. I can't get my head around writing with the pencil in Apple Notes. It's just, I just don't like the way it tries to mix with the text. And I just think Good Notes is so much better at it. Yeah, there is some some weirdness there in Apple Notes where it like treats a sketch as sort of its own chunk and you can have like text be- above and below it. But Apple Notes are still relatively linear where... Good notes and notability and some of these other applications, you can kind of work in any direction. Like I'm glad that it's there. And I know people who do use it, but it's sort of shoehorned into what is effectively a text field at the end of the day. Yeah. Another and the killer feature for me of Good Notes is that expanded writing view. So you can select a section of the page and then at the bottom of the page, it blows that up and you can print inside there. And so you're writing with bigger text than is actually going on the page. And the resulting text looks much cleaner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that to me is like the winner. Like I, I, I'm sure I will be journaling on my vacation into good notes at some point. And I also do it with fancy pen and paper. And, but I, I'm not really that upset about it. I can do it either way and it doesn't bother me, but I do find a benefit from handwriting journal entries that way. And I'll like, even like when I do uh, post, you know, when I ship something, sometimes I'll sit down and write two or three pages out longhand about how it went and what went well and wrong. So I am, uh, I'm not above using it as a, as a pad of paper. Yeah. You have a line in here that says a brief diversion about the paper like, so okay. <laughs> this is a screen protector, maybe strong of a word, but it's a screen protector that changes the texture of the iPad to feel more like physical paper. Yes, I have one on my 11 inch iPad pro. I put it on, I don't know, six months ago. I was going to cover it in the Max Barkey labs. I haven't yet. I'm not sure it's worth it. This, this is like a, a one of those um, live wire topics. Cause I know a bunch of people swear by these things, Yeah, but it doesn't feel like, Cause I do. And I also have like nice paper and a pen that I write on occasionally. And if, okay, let's have a spectrum here. Like one is a piece of plastic on glass, which is what we currently have on the iPad. 
and 10 is a fountain pen on good quality paper, which I also have. The paper like is like a three to me, you know, mm. it's not that much better, you know? So, um, it does, uh, however, it's nice if you use your iPad outside cause it's, it re- removes the glare. It's also a way to protect the glass. So, I mean, there's uh, several advantages to it. And I think it seems like the paper like is one of the best in class for this. But I just, my general impression after using it six months is I'm not sure I want even want this thing on because my, my, my uh, big iPad Pro doesn't have one. I'm writing on that all the time. And it's not like I go to the paper like uh, equipped iPad and say, oh, this is so much better. It just doesn't, doesn't really do much for me. I'm not yeah. sure it's worth the money. I I tried one for a while and I kind of felt the same way you did. I was like, yeah, it's fine. What I didn't like about it is it does add some level of, it's not really even distortion, but it softens the screen a little bit. And, and that bugged me. Yeah, I agree. As I'm sitting here, I have in the last month, like four times sat down with the purpose of removing the paper like, and then I don't do it. I think mm. I'm going to do some some content for the labs on this at some point, and I want to show them how it works and what it looks like. But I just it's just not landing with me. I don't hate it, but I'm just not sure it makes much of a difference either. Yeah, I think that's fair. I have another diversion here, and that's the Remarkable. So the Remarkable is a really nice piece of technology. It is a super light writing pad, digital writing pad that uses e-ink. We've talked about it once before on the show, so we don't know to go to it in great length, but I think it's kind of relevant here. I bought one, and it didn't land with me, and I sent it back. And then multiple listeners wrote me to tell me how I missed the boat, and it's really an awesome product, and I really should have given it another try. So then I bought it again, <laughs> and I used it, I used it for like a month, and then I sent it back again. And I'm pretty sure I'm I'm on a list over there now. <laughs> like, like, no, don't let this guy buy. He's returned it twice. But um, the, for the people who love it, I get it. it. It's way lighter than an iPad. It's way thinner than an iPad. Uh, it feels more like paper than a paper-like. So like on that one to 10 scale, maybe it's a six, you know? So there's a lot to like about it. Like one of the listeners who's written me about this is a designer and he likes to do sketches on it. Just what kills me for it is, number one, it is not inexpensive. I think it was like $700 by the time you get the pencil and the case and everything. And number two, it doesn't have that feature like GoodNotes says where I can, you know, I can write in bigger script, but it shows up in smaller script. Mm-hmm. And then the real killer for me was the resolution of the output. Like, the the um, images because they're ink right the images that it outputs if you want to put into day one or something are highly pixelated whereas the stuff that comes out of good notes looks much better and um the, for those three reasons ultimately i didn't keep it but that's another thing you could do but to me the ipad is better at that for what i do and i understand i'm blasting leds in my eyeballs and all that but it's great and um, I'm happy with that, and I like having one device. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com MPU and make your next move. Plus, enter offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. 
With Squarespace at your back, you can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, services, and even content you create. Squarespace has got you covered. I run multiple Squarespace sites for various endeavors in my life, and my family, and my friends, and my business colleagues, because every time somebody approaches me about a website, I end up pointing them at Squarespace. Squarespace is both affordable and powerful, and the thing I like about that power is that it is easy to harness. When I talk to people who are not nerds that don't listen to Mac Power users and they want to set up a website, I can usually get them rolling with Squarespace in about an hour, and that's all of my time investment ever. I feel like I've done them a solid, they've got their great website running, and I don't have to be the one to manage it. I don't have to worry about their plugins. I don't have to worry about changes in their fonts. They can do all of that stuff themselves. And that's one of the things I just love about Squarespace. And I can feel good about it because I'm referring to them a quality website engine. I mean, Squarespace really does have it covered. If you want to do commerce, if you want to do an email list, no matter what you want to do with your website, they're there for you. And I really like their templates. If you go through the website template system, they all look unique and powerful and interesting. It's not like they all have the same look to them when they just change the colors. Each one is designed independently. So when people go to a Squarespace website, they don't know it's a Squarespace website. They just think it's a beautiful website. So head over to squarespace.com MPU for a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code MPU to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for the Mac Power users. So uh, our thanks to Squarespace for the support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. That URL one last time, squarespace.com slash MPU. So somewhat related to the Notes app are sort of mind mapping thought exploration kind of digital whiteboard apps. Yeah. There are a couple out yeah. here. Apple is going to be moving into the space later this year, uh, which is wild. And we'll cover that when they, when they get there. But what has stuck for you in this category? Concepts. Absolutely. Number one concepts and um, an infinite canvas app. And this has come up on the show a few times. Uh, there is something to that. Like GoodNotes is great, but it you set the page size in GoodNotes and it doesn't get bigger. But when you're trying to think through a problem, an infinite canvas allows you to go any direction as far as you want within reason. I think there is probably a limit to it at some point. But And Concepts does that. And uh, it allows you to pinch in really tight so you can write really cleanly and then pinch out to you know see that in context of other things. I mean, someday I would love to have like a wall size screen that I could fill up that way. You know, it's kind of like, I guess, a whiteboard, but a digital version, but with the resolution of an iPad so I can really like drill into it. I really like that app. Um, I hate that it doesn't sync. Yeah, that's the big, every time we come up against this, that's always the strike against it is that it's just on the iPad. Yeah, and so I run it on the big 2018 iPad Pro because it's on my desk. And when I want to noodle on an idea, I'm sitting right there. I just, you know, yank a pencil down and start adding to it. But, like, I would love to be able to pull out my 11-inch and and add on to that again, and I can't. 
So I'm really looking forward to see what Apple does. And I don't need it. In fact, Concepts is overkill for me in a lot of ways, like the color palettes and some of the right the the drawing tools. You know, like you know, people that you know Pixar are drawing you know characters with with Concepts apps, and I I don't need that stuff. I just need a way to you know write down ideas and do basic sketches. So I hope Freeform is able to like give me enough and sync. And it also has collaboration and sharing, which I would actually find very beneficial. There are other apps out there um, that do this in a more structured fashion. Like there's a lot of web-based apps where you can put together triangles and rectangles and draw lines. And and they use on an infinite, infinite canvas um, approach as well. But I actually just really like the idea of just using a pencil to draw circles and basic shapes and ideas and be able to be very fluid with it. I don't want like... I don't want to turn it into a graphics design project. I want it to be a thinking tool. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love everything about concepts, but it just doesn't sync. And Apple may get my business when it comes to uh, Freeform. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that too. You know, their collaboration has been, it's been a little hit or miss in some of their apps over the years, but they seem to be taking it very seriously. And I mean, bringing a, a new app to light that is, I mean, th- there was a world where this could have just been inside of, I don't know, Pages or Keynote or something. So I'm excited that they're going to kind of, I think they're going to learn the lesson they have with Notes, and they're going to let this sort of be free form on its own in a way that we haven't haven't seen before. This kind of in the back of my mind, this you know brings up a thought about indoor studios. This you know the studio build I'm doing. Like I would like to have a big surface that I can think about ideas on, uh-huh. you know, and like you've seen these like big whiteboards people put in. Yeah. But I also don't want an ugly whiteboard <laughs> in my studio. You know what I mean? I do. And I, and the impermanence of whiteboards is always like, I got burned by that at the firm where I would like whiteboard out emotion and come in the next day and somebody had wiped it clean, you know? Yeah. And you learn to take pictures of it, but then you're looking at a little picture. I mean, it's just like, no, man, I, I'd i like to see this go digital. You know, maybe mm-hmm. with Freeform that works, right? Because with Freeform, you would be able to look at it on your giant monitor or if you had two monitors or whatever. I don't know. Maybe get like a cheap projector and you can project a Freeform thing on the wall when you need to. That'd be cool. Yeah. Either way. Uh, there's one other related app that I want to talk about, and that's Procreate. Procreate is a really powerful drawing app. Again, people are using it to make really beautiful artwork and I'm totally bastardizing it. I am. What I do is I make really basic diagrams for presentations in it, but Freeform, I'm sorry. um, Procreate has this great feature where it will export a movie of the drawing. Okay. So as I draw, like I just did one for Nick Milo where I did all of my slides with these, procreate drawings like i wanted to show why something about obsidian is a pot of gold so i drew a beach with a little pirate on it and a pot of gold on the beach and i exported it as a movie so then as i'm giving the presentation you just drop those movies into keynote and it draws the pirate thing and and, and like in a, a very compact form it's like five seconds and it's fully drawn but the animation of drawing it happens while you're talking and like the people watching were like, how did you do those slides? I mean, that was like, they were almost more interested in that than the actual content of the discussion. And I've done this for several presentations over the years and people love it. And 
the trick is just get procreate and export the drawings as movies. But that's an iPad thing. You couldn't do that with a with a Mac. Mm-hmm. I do wonder, you know, in, in thinking about about especially this sort of application, if there's ever a world where the Mac and the Apple Pencil meet. I mean, I wrote this thing years and years and years ago for Club Mac stories about how cool would it be for this giant trackpad that we have, which is the size of an iPad mini, basically, to be, you know, have support for the Apple Pencil or, or some way to get some of these more fine-grained entry methods to the Mac. Because yeah. some of the software, especially the, the last couple of apps we've mentioned, they they shine so brightly on the iPad, but they would shine, I think, just as brightly on the Mac in the Mac OS ecosystem. And I think that would be, that'd be a pretty nice combination. Do you think Apple is ever going to make a convertible laptop? You know, like they make these on the PC where it it looks like a laptop and then you spin the display around to the back and it turns into a tablet. I don't think so. Uh, So far, at least they seem very content to let the iPad be the iPad and the Mac be the Mac and they share features, but not, a soul, you know, soul experience that blends them. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you. I mean, that to answer the question. I mean, I think it's easy on the outside. Like, you know, there's that one story about Steve Jobs saying video on the iPad, iPod. We'll never put video on the iPod. You listen to music, you know, mm-hmm. and then like six months later, they had video on the iPod. So everybody uses that to say, well, Apple lies, you know, they, they don't mm-hmm. tell you about stuff. Well, that was Steve Jobs. I don't think Tim Cook would would have said that, to tell you the truth. He would have just not answered the question. And I honestly believe that they're making a pair of goggles right now. Maybe they're working on a car. I feel like the ship has sailed on convertible laptops and touch and uh, screens that you can write on. And I think to our detriment, I would like to see them make one. I mean, it'd be kind of cool to be able to write on my Mac. Why not, you know? Uh, I'm getting ready to go on a trip where I'm bringing a laptop and an iPad. Mm-hmm. What if I could just bring the laptop and get everything? And so I, um, I'd like to see them do it, but I kind of feel like they're being honest with us that they're just not interested in it. It'd be nice too for editing and final cut or logic, right? There's yeah. so many interesting things that could happen, but I, I don't think that's in the, in the cards. And it, I mean, we already have the ability to run iPad apps on a Mac. I mean, there's there's really no excuse, you know, not to do it. Um, except, you know, I don't know. I, it's not my company, so I'm sure they have reasons. But I would like to see them do it. And, and you know, and since we're in that this we're in this neighborhood, I have to mention my dream Mac, which is a big iMac screen that yeah. tilts down like the Microsoft Surface and turns into an iPad. But, you know, I, I feel like that's never going to happen either. <laughs> probably, uh, probably not. Yeah. I think we're more likely to get a giant iPad alone. You know, like, like there's already rumors of a 15-inch iPad. Maybe one day there'll be a 22-inch iPad or something. But, you know, built to be on a desk, not to carry around, obviously. But right. But I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to get that convertible, which is sad. All right, we got some time. Let me talk about the status board thing. So I had the the 2018 uh, iPad Pro, which I had sold. I had made a price. They were going to send me the box, and I was all set to do. And I just for a lark, I'm like, well, what if I just set it up here underneath my Mac? And 
I currently have a pro display, you know, don't hate me. And then underneath there's room to prop it up under the screen. But a lot of people could do this to the side of a screen too, if your display was lower, but the way mine works, it fits perfectly right under the screen. And I'm using a, um, a, um, a stand on it, a flat stand. So it can just kind of sit under there. And all of a sudden, like all these technologies have been coming out of Apple to make this useful in conjunction with a Mac, you know, uh, first, we had Sidecar, which allows you to run it as an additional Mac display. Then we had Universal Control, which allows you to leave it as an iPad, but use your Mac keyboard and mouse uh, on it. And then, you know, you know, you and I were talking about this idea of widgets on the home screen of the Mac and how great that would be. And we didn't get it. So I thought, well, you know, I can put widgets on my iPad. My iPad is now going to be right underneath my Mac. And I started finding all these uses, and then I didn't send it in. I didn't sell it. I kept mm. it because it, it's really useful as a status board for me. And just to give you a couple examples, um, and everybody would be different with this, but if you have an extra iPad, I strongly recommend you do this. Uh, when I record screencasts, I'll, often I outline them in Obsidian. Well, I run Obsidian via Sidecar or just run Obsidian on my iPad, one or the other, usually Sidecar though. And that's on the iPad below the screen that I'm recording. So I've got my notes for the recording right underneath it. And they're there for me. That's one example. Um, if I want to watch a, a YouTube video, like a background YouTube video, you know how sometimes you do that. Like I lately into these uh these dovetail joint cutter guys. And I'm, I'm running that while I'm sitting there doing mindless work. Well, I don't want to put it on my main screen cause I've got work up there. Right. Put it on the, put yeah. it on the iPad. You know, you can do any kind of media consumption with it, obviously. Um, also, you know, that idea of that status board really kind of resonated with me. So I went nuts with the, uh, with Dave underscores, Widgetsmith app. And I built all these custom widgets that shows me the weather, today's appointments, the time. And I use the uh, exact same background color in the widget as the wallpaper on the iPad. So it looks like, uh, like it's part of the operating system. It just blends right in. But in addition, I put like the week's goals and OmniFocus widget, um, the fantastic out calendar. I just like, got, I've got stuff up there and the weather, and I can just look down there at any time and get status board information off mm -hmm. the iPad. And it's just a glance below my main screen right in front of my eyes. And I've got these Eufy cameras. I've got, well, Eufy has a great app on my iPad. If I'm expecting a delivery, I just push the button and I've got like, you know, the security display of my house on the iPad underneath my Mac, you know, uh, including the front door. So it's just, I'm finding all these great uses for it. And I really love it. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, I don't even think of it as an iPad anymore. It's almost like an accessory to my Mac. And this iPad status board thing, it really works. If somebody out there is listening and you've got an iPad in a drawer, set it up tomorrow and just start making it do stuff for you that you would want it to do. In addition, you know, it's like to serve, you know, your overall workflows on your Mac. And I, I find it, it great. I, I can't imagine going back now. If this one breaks, I'm going to buy another big iPad. I think universal control is the, the key for this where you don't have to really interact with the iPad directly. And it means you can have the iPad on a stand without a keyboard or trackpad and still use a keyboard or trackpad on it. If you do yeah. need to interact with it, yeah. universal control is so cool. I was nervous about it when it got announced about how it would work in practice, but 
I mean, like right now I've got my iPad Pro off to the side and I can just move my cursor and it kind of hangs on the edge of the Mac and it shoots over to the iPad and comes back and forth. And it's a really cool feature. If if you, if the Mac or the status board idea doesn't really resonate with you, at least set your devices up side by side and give this a shot because it is a, it's a really neat feature that to me has been, uh, it's open possibilities like this that I wouldn't have considered otherwise. Yeah. And, and if you are, um, you know, if you're thinking about it, my advice is just get started and just start thinking about ways you can make it work better for you. A, a couple uh, tricks that I've learned is I turned off the feature where the iPad turns itself off automatically after 10 yeah. minutes or whatever. I just leave it on and then I manually turn it off when I leave. Just like you shut down or sleep your, your screen, I also sure. sleep the iPad below it. But if you look down and it's dark, then you won't use it as much. Uh, so it's much more useful. Uh, run a power cord behind so you can have it plugged in at all times. Uh, and then you're good. The other thing is uh, with universal control, I do find that the display preferences sometimes forget the iPad location because in the display preferences, you can set the iPad. Like in my case, I put it underneath the main display. Mm -hmm. So if I pull the, the mouse down, it goes to the iPad. Um, but I am constantly changing my display preferences because I screencast for a living. And like when I screencast, I actually make the, the resolution bigger you know, so it's easier to read in a video, but for some reason that constantly makes it forget where the iPad is. So we'll put it over to the left or over to the right. So I have to go back and fix that once in a while. And that's kind of a pain. Like when you drag down, you want it to just go to the iPad, but right. probably once a week I've got to fix that. But you know, it's worth the hassle because I, I just find so many uses for this thing. It's also great as a comms panel. Like you can put up um, Slack and messages under there if you need if you've got a day where there's a lot of comms going on and you want to be able to to keep up. Uh, I use it for. I mean, I just find so many uses for it. I'll put Fantastical up there sometimes when I'm doing planning. Um, it's just I'm just really impressed with it. And uh, Apple should should do more stuff like this to make it even more useful for the Mac. I'm not sure what what the next feature they need is, but man do it <laughs> and then make, make a bigger version. That's not a pro like make a 15 inch. That's just a standard iPad air kind of thing. Yep. Big, big and cheap people. People like that combination. Yeah. 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 I've considered ways, um, to use like, you know, maybe like we have a couple old iPad airs floating around, you know, some sort of like family status board, like have it in the kitchen and have like the family calendar and the weather and stuff on it. And I've really haven't done that because someone in my household who I'm married to, but I won't name, <laughs> I don't know who it could be, uh, kind of has like a married to. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh man, it's so good. She, I was talking to her about this. This has been a couple of years and she wasn't keen on the idea of having like a screen in the kitchen. But yeah. I thought, you know, I could like mount it by the fridge and, you know, hide the power cord, keep it really nice and neat. And of course, there's always rumors about Apple combining a HomePod and an iPad and Amazon has the Echo Show, which does this. And I think there is room for this sort of thing beyond the desk, you know, having it in shared family space, you know, having it in your in your entryway and have, you know, your front door camera pulled up on it really easily, like lots of uses for this. And I think it's one of those one of those things like, yeah, it's a great way to like keep an old iPad from, you know, being recycled or like you said, just stuck in a drawer. 
Yeah, well, I mean, at the time that I kind of came on this revelation, uh, you'll recall I had ordered uh, a um, Vesta board, right? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, we we talked about it. But then I um, then I hired a contractor and realized that he's going to want all my money, and I can't afford a Vesta board, so I uh, so I canceled. (laughs) But the um, they're doing a white one now, David. The white one. Yeah, I know. You sent me the pictures. It looks so so good. I want one so bad. So everybody knows Stephen is continuing to send me pictures of Vesta boards. Just so you know that Stephen isn't always the nice guy he seems. You know, wow. he's always trying to spend my money. But the uh, then I said, well, I, maybe I'll get a TV. Like you could get a TV pretty cheap and put it on the wall, right? But then I was thinking, there's a focal problem with that. Like if I put my calendar and whatever up there, I'd have to change my focal length from the focus to the screen to the focus to the wall a few feet away. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't think I'd ever do that. I think I just would not look at it. And that's when I thought, well, I got this iPad. What if I put this right here? Man, I'm I'm really happy with it. But I may still get a Vesta board someday. We'll see. Not this year. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. You, you could build a studio out of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this episode of MPU is made possible by Sourcegraph. So you've hired a brilliant developer to join your company. That's great, but now you have to spend time getting them onboarded. If your company is growing, onboarding new developers is going to become more and more common, but it's a big undertaking each time. One of the biggest challenges for new hires is to get up to speed with the project their new team is working on. This can be tricky if code bases your developers are working in are already huge. Thankfully, Sourcegraph makes it easy to move quickly even in big code bases. Developers know that knowledge is the most usable when it can be found. Centralization can be helpful, but given the fact that most companies store knowledge in at least two different locations, how do you work to make knowledge accessible to those who need it? As a code intelligence platform, Sourcegraph gives developers what they need to drive their own learning over time and in different situations. Teams without Sourcegraph rely on asking colleagues or reviewing out-of-date documentation, which is cumbersome and time-consuming. But with Sourcegraph, every developer can search across millions of repositories to find specific code, saving time for themselves and everyone else. Sourcegraph was created to make developers' lives easier, and today they work with leading companies across every industry, including three out of the five top tech companies, plus PayPal, Uber, Plaid, GE, Reddit, Atlassian, and more. So visit about.sourcegraph.com to learn more. That's about.sourcegraph.com. There's a link in the show notes. And there you can find out why some of the biggest tech companies in the world are using Sourcegraph and to see what Sourcegraph could do for you. Our thanks to Sourcegraph for their support of the show and Relay FM. A couple other things that I think really excel at um, on the iPad is Swift Playgrounds and uh uh, I would recommend trying that app if you're not, it's supposed to teach you how to program Swift, but it, they're logic puzzles. I find it really kind of fun and relaxing to go in there and write code in Swift Playgrounds. Again, proving I'm a nerd, but <laughs> it, it, it's, it's best on iPad and uh, it's definitely, kind of fun. definitely best on iPad. It is on the Mac now, but there's something about it that is feels iPad first. And it is, it is really cool to see just like, you know, Apple has a bunch of educational things out there and and this is one of the best ones sometimes my kids watch reality programming that makes me question my 
my effectiveness as a father. <laughs> Can I just say that? Sure. I mean, yeah. there's some pretty bad reality TV on, but at the same time, they're home and I want to be in the room with them. That's like a good time to bring the iPad and, and play in Swift Playgrounds while you're with them. So anyway, the Garage Man, so good on the iPad. I mean, it is. That, that app is so good on the iPad. And if you best on the iPad, in, I think. And I, I would argue just music in general, like, cause I, I have a music hobby. I'm not, you know, in it every day, but, um, the iPad is essential for me. Cause like all my sheet music is in four score. Um, there are tuning apps that are really good. There are like music kind of minus one apps where it can play a backing track for a song. You can play along with it. And the iPad just excels at all of that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, if, if you do music, I, I was just at a thing. We, Daisy and I went to a, a thing for the community that we we attended and they had hired a piano player and he was there with it with an ipad and he had one of those bluetooth pedals underneath and he was just you know playing through his music on his ipad it just i think it changes the way musicians can keep track of all their music what's cool about GarageBand and a lot of these music apps too if you have an ipad pro the built-in speakers are really pretty good for something that is as thin and light as it is and of course you can pair it with airpods or whatever but uh, GarageBand is one of those things on the iPad that my kids love to open and, you know, they'll make little beats or, you know, just little loops and stuff. And they just do it on the iPad. You know, they don't get headphones out or anything. And yeah, it's uh, it's a fun, creative tool and one that really takes advantage of the idea of like the iPad turns into anything you want it to be. It's like, yeah, this iPad is a guitar or a drum kit or, you know, whatever you're a piano. Yeah, late 70s, Sparky had an iPad with GarageBand. I probably... My life would have probably taken a different course. <laughs> just, just <laughs> probably so. Yeah, the yeah, it's it's great. What about iPad accessories? Are there like things that you feel like you need to have? I think having some sort of keyboard is basically mandatory. I don't think you've got to go spend the wild money that Apple wants. I mean, their iPad keyboard page is in our show notes, and you can just spend all the money. I, I do think the one with the trackpad is really, really nice. But even something like, you know, an external folding one you get on Amazon cheap, it totally changes the yeah. game in terms of productivity for me to have some sort of hardware keyboard with the iPad. And that's something that with the iPad mini is not a great keyboard case for it because the thing is so small. It changes the way I think about the iPad mini in some interesting ways. But it the trade-off is, like I mentioned earlier, I can thumb type on it. So it's it kind of bounces out to a degree last time i was on a plane i brought the ipad mini with me and a folding keyboard it, it was like in the 25 dollars range from amazon but it, it literally folds in the middle mm -hmm. and i was had it on the tray and i was answering mail and doing stuff in the flight and about two hours in the flight some guy from like two rows behind me on the other side he like taps me on the shoulder He's like, okay, I need to know exactly what that is and where I get it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> and, and you know, it's like, he's like, you know, he's like, that's an Apple thing, right? I'm like, yeah, it's a small iPad. It's the Mini. Okay, and did did you get the keyboard at Apple? I'm like, no, the keyboard was on Amazon. You know, and it's like, I'm pretty sure he went back and just bought it. Oh yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that you're you're helping people with their tech, even on a flight. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It's weird because I I am like I don't talk to strangers on planes. No, I'm me neither. Like, you know, yeah, but this guy, you know, he he felt the Max Sparkiness exuding from me. That's right. He, he said, "This guy knows he what he's doing." <laughs> yeah, but he literally <laughs> bought the exact, you know, 
what color is it? You know, he just wanted, he just wanted to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I wonder if he did. Okay. You know, it's like, did he find like Apple notes or, I mean, you know, he doesn't listen to Mac power users. So I mean, was he able to figure out what he needed to with that little screen to get work done on a plane? I hope so. If he is listening to Mac power users, I really want to hear from you. <laughs> I have so many questions. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. Uh, what do you feel about the, an input device like a trackpad? Uh, you know, it is relatively new in iPad OS and I think it's a nicety, but to me, I don't think it rises to the importance of a keyboard. I have this $300 keyboard with a trackpad and I honestly forget it's there most days. Hmm. Just reaching up and touching the screen. I rarely use it. Yeah. I just can't get into my head that the iPad has a trackpad now. So I don't, I definitely don't need a third party one to carry around. Yeah, and, and honestly, most third-party trackpads aren't that great anyways. I think if, you're, if yeah. you want the trackpad experience, just go in for the expensive Magic Keyboard. You get a nice keyboard, you get a nice built-in trackpad. I don't know if I'd really mess with many of the others. Yeah. Pencil, to me, is, is mandatory. As you've, If you listen to the show, I use it all the time. That's another airplane story. I dropped the pencil once on an airplane. You know, we were getting ready to land, and you're packing up and I put the pencil, I was going to put it in a bag and I missed and it fell down to the center aisle. And as the plane momentum changed or tilted, it just like slid forward like a race car, like eight rows. Oh man. <laughs> and it was, and I just watched it the whole time. And I, uh, and from that moment until the moment, the seatbelts were, you know, we, we parked at the gate. My, I, I just sat there like with Ron Swanson like intensity, just staring at the pencil. And then, as soon as the bell went off, I unbuckled and ninjaed my butt eight aisles up and grabbed the pencil <laughs> and then came back. <laughs> so I guess the moral is, if you're going to get a pencil, be careful on it. Be ca yeah, it's you know? definitely something that's easy to lose. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that kind of depends on the type of person you are and what you know. If you're an artist and the iPad is your digital sketchbook yeah you should definitely have one but for a lot of folks it doesn't really rise to that that importance yeah agreed i i like it and i have found uses for it but um it's definitely not mandatory same thing with like with an iphone i would always tell people get an external battery for an iphone you don't want to be out in the world and run out of power and now with magsafe batteries and stuff it's so much easier but i don't think you need a battery if you buy an ipad no i mean i have you I, <laughs> I, I honestly, less than five times in my life have I had my iPad run out of battery, and that was because I was stupid and didn't charge it at some point that I could have. Yeah. Yeah, the iPad battery is is totally ridiculous, and I rarely think about mine. I mean, I have a USB-C charger like on my on sort of the lower shelf of my nightstand where it lives and where it charges, and it can go days easily. I mean, they say 10 hours of use, but if you're doing light usage, it's... Fantastic. Stand for your iPad? Uh, I am a fan of the Hoverbar Duo. This is from the folks over at 12 South. And we've talked about this before, but it puts your iPad um, kind of at a good height for typing where you're not just looking down at your desk surface. If you yeah. use your iPad with macOS, it's great because it kind of puts it, you know, with an external display or an iMac or something, it puts it higher up. Yeah, And it's got a couple of options. You can put it on a base that's pretty heavy, so it's not going to topple over. 
They've also got an option to clamp it to like a desk or there, there's this funny photo on their website that always cracks me up where it's like clamped to the underside of a, like a kitchen cabinet or something. Um, yeah. But it's a great way to, to get your iPad up off the ground. And I've purchased a couple of these over the years for gifts for people who use their iPads and it's always well received. I think it's uh, in a world of like super cheap kind of janky Amazon options. This is the nice one. Yeah. I I was researching it once. I saw a picture of one of those Amazon ones and they had it like attached to the nightstand and the guy's in bed and he's got like the iPad hanging off this arm from the nightstand in front of his face. I mean, could you imagine sitting in bed next to your wife and pulling in an iPad on like an arm from the nightstand? That would be the last time that my wife (laughs) sleeps next to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. Well, there's all kinds of birth control folks, and there's one way. Um, yeah. The, um, the, uh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm not into that either. The, so the one I have, which I've also mentioned before, but I'll restate it because it continues to really serve well, is the Elevation Labs draft table. And now yeah. they have the version 2, and I have the V2. Um, it's a big piece of metal, and it's really heavy, and it's got fixed um, heights. If you're a pencil user, I think this is particularly uh, useful to you because it just you can have it tilt up just a little bit on a flat desk, and it really is um, it feels good with the pencil. And then the way I do it because I've got my um, my pro display on a shelf that's about I don't know four or five inches off the table. I just tilt the draft table up so it leans into that shelf, and it, it it's perfect. You know, so the um, the iPad is kind of at a 45 degree angle underneath my main screen. And I, I really like the draft table, but it's a thing where you use it on a desk. That's not something you use if you're carrying it around. JF, my pal um, has one of those compass stands. I don't, I don't know if it's, um, I don't remember who makes the I compass stand. South. Yeah. That is a really great mobile stand. Like if you want it, cause it fits in your bag and you can lift it up. Although be careful. The compass stand once got me in trouble at a TSA. It's heavy. And made of metal. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a weapon. Yeah. It's nice though. I've got I've got one because they came out with that in the early days of the iPad. And my compass stand yeah. is from like twenty eleven or something. And it because it's a heavy piece of metal, it's it's great. Yeah. Yeah. You really don't need a lot of accessories for an iPad once you've um uh, you know, pro I would say likely a keyboard and possibly a pencil and you're good. Yeah, I think so too. And and to Apple's credit with the keyboard cases, they generally, so far at least, have maintained compatibility for a long time. And so, yeah, the Magic Keyboard's expensive. It's 300 bucks. But if you can use it with two or three or four generations of iPad Pro down the road uh, and you're not you know upgrading iPads very often, then it that helps it a little bit. But it is still definitely an investment. Yeah, that's another advantage of the iPad, frankly, is they really do last a long time. They do. Like this this 2018 iPad is not showing its age at all. You know, I, I guess I'm losing features with iPad OS 16. I'm not going to be able to get um, Stage Manager. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, but they, they just seem to kind of last forever. <laughs> so that's a nice thing. I mean, the iPad's a great device. You know, kind of going back to where we started, we have been... Uh, I'm not going to say negative about the iPad, but not as enthusiastic lately, partly because of improvements on the Mac and partly because, uh, you know, accepting reality as to what the iPad is now. But 
there's still a lot it can be really good at. And not that, you know, you don't need to spend the money on an iPad if you're happy with your Mac and your phone. And a lot of people don't bother with the iPad. We've had guests on the show recently who just abandoned their iPads. But if I didn't have an iPad, I'd probably go buy another one because I, I find lots of use for it. I'm glad we checked in. I'm glad we have our feelings out there. Yeah, that's important. This is a show about feelings. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> Feelings about nerdy stuff. How about that? There you go. All right. Uh, we are the Mac Power users. Uh, Mac Power users. Mac Feelings users. I don't know. This is getting weird. Uh, go to relay.fm slash MPU to find us. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, 1Password, Electric, Squarespace, and Sourcegraph. Uh, you can find the forums over at talk.macpowerusers.com. If you want to get that extended show ad-free, go over to relay.fm slash MPU and sign up for more Power Users. Today, Steve and I are going to be doing more power users all about the uh, Apple Watch hack it and uh, <laughs> have fun talking about it. Otherwise, we'll see you next time. <laughs>